0: Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women podcast where we are reclaiming half the bookshelf by just talking about books by or about women. And this is episode 20, where we are discussing shrill and veins of the ocean.
1: Hello, Kendra.
0: Hello, Autumn. I'm excited.
1: I'm ready to go. Yes, this is definitely different kinds of topics than we usually have. This is very true. Oh, I don't think we mentioned it, but this is part two of our book of the month, month uh, in case you missed that. So the first one, I guess I'll just jump in. And the first
0: one is my pick, which is Shrill Notes from a Loud Woman by Lindy West. So first, I guess, let's talk a little bit about Shrill. So uh, on This American Life, Lindy West uh, talks sort of like in summary about many of the topics that she talks about in her book which is an essay collection and she on the American Life episode talked about how this guy trolled her on Twitter by making a Twitter account in the name of like her father and pretended to be her father saying like awful stuff to her so and we should point out that her dad was dead
1: at this point
0: so yes, this is just
1: horrendous yes. on so many levels
0: I, I I I can't even believe it like in, in you, they interview him on uh, the Miss American Life podcast and a radio show, whatever it is. And so she actually talks to her troll and she asks him why he did this and he had done it to other, like she trolled other women. And uh, he it's just like, why would you do that? And he sounds very human. And so she really expands on the idea about how trolls are really, getting pretty horrific towards women and towards especially like threatening to violently sexually violate them or murder them or, you know, sometimes trolls will even threaten women's children and just so many different things. And she's really raising awareness for how the Internet can be a very unsafe space for women. And one thing
1: that she says is that when she first started getting comments from trolls on her articles – That people had the attitude of, oh, it's just the internet. You can't control that kind of stuff. Which sounds very reminiscent of the, oh, boys will be boys argument. And it's just, it's sad. Like, it's really sad that there are people who think that it's okay to harass people because it's not in person. It's over the internet.
0: I thought it was interesting how people didn't harass her as much until they found out that she was a woman. And then she, when they found out that she was, as she says, a, a self-proclaimed fat woman, they really, for, un, like she would write on something that had nothing to do with her personal whatever. And they would just call her fat. And she's like, what does that have to do with what I'm trying to say? You're just being an awful, horrible person at this point. Yeah. I Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. Why would you say that? I just don't even know. Oh my goodness. So she actually recently left Twitter, Lindy did, and she um, was like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not going to deal with these trolls anymore. And uh, I think it's also important to note here, like Jessica Valenti, who is another, a similar voice columnist writer person has put in the back of her memoir, like, copies of the trolls that she has gotten and like some of the threats that she has gotten and then lindy has just in the quotes in her book also talked about them
1: and they are really absolutely horrible i couldn't Um, read them i I had to skip those pages because i just couldn't it was so upsetting to me that i just couldn't even put that in my head i I can't even imagine like doing it that on a daily
0: basis so, in, incidentally, uh, the reading woman you know, since we've existed, uh, we haven't really been trolled to this extent at all, but we have some had some obnoxious uh, guys show up and comment that because, you know, we should quit doing this whole feminism thing and we look okay, so we won't have problems finding guys. <laughs> and, you know, we both find this very funny because, one, we already have guys, but that's not the point, is that, like, He's just talking to us based on our looks and, like, our needs,
1: (laughs) quote-unquote, from men. He he assumes that since we're feminists that we can't—that we're man-haters, which is not true. Like, it's one of the biggest myths about feminism.
0: Feminism. We'll spare you. We'll spare you that rant, guys. But you've probably already heard it or given them. So, yeah, so— Anyway, we thought that was sort of sort of humorous um <laughs> and like, I don't know, would you assume that feminist would be ugly? yeah, yeah really? i don't like I don't even know anyway, so that is really the extent of any trolls that we've had, which is basically nothing at all. It's just a guy being a smarmy jerk, you know, but we can't imagine this kind of i I can't even imagine you may be wondering like, where did this whole troll thing come up really? Well, recently there's been what's called Gamergate and a woman, uh, gamer just wrote an essay about how the gamer culture was super sexist and which it is because, you know, you have women running around and basically nothing and it's a video game. So it doesn't need to be like that. And how, you know, girls are kind of not supposed to be gamers and all this stuff. Probably, you know, if you've read anything about this. You probably know what I'm talking about, but she basically is now stalked on all of her social media. They found out like her bank account where she lived everything. She's basically facing this every single day because these awful, you know, basic men for the most part are just stalking her and basically ruining her life. And, you know, Lindy West really talks about this, how, you know, when you have this much hatred, if you have it once, twice, whatever, you know, you can, you can get over it, but every day I, that just really takes a toll and being told that you're crap or that you're going to be violently assaulted continuously, like that would really mess with your psyche. Well, and
1: I think it did on some level, like it definitely, she definitely suffered And even when she tried to defend herself, she was basically told that she was being an irrational female and what did she know about anything, (laughs) which is horrible. She points out,
0: like, the first, like, instinct for men, these particular men who are trolling her, that they automatically go towards, you know, commenting on her appearance or threatening to physically assault her in a sexual way. And... uh, just the that's like the go-to and she just says that's really telling about a sexist patriarchal culture that that is what they would immediately threaten a woman that that is the thing Mm -hmm. and I I think it really tells though I mean I don't know a single woman who doesn't like walking out in public think about that and like where are your exits you always know your exits you know where you are you know how long it takes to get through a certain place you know where streetlights are like this is an everyday occurrence but I'm you know
1: most women are not threatened you know, verbally with that every day. It's interesting too that her criticism and trolling essentially didn't just come from people she didn't know because there's one essay where she talks about when she worked for um, Dan Savage and he wrote an essay ab- on his website about fat people and how disgusting fat people were and how. Offensive they were, and just really ripped into them and said some really nasty, horrible things. And she worked for him, and she said that she was really confused because they were friends and they knew each other, and they you know would go out together after work, you know, and hang out and stuff. And so she sent him an email saying, "How can you say this stuff when you work with me? Like, do you actually feel this way about me?" And he kind of deferred her to the point where she wrote an essay in response and posted it on the website and literally kind of blew up the internet. And so she kind of contrasts this like anonymous criticism that she'd been getting for years now with this criticism from someone that she knew and had worked with for many years and how harmful
0: that was. Dan Savage is a really famous kind of like sex columnist. He's a gay man who, you know... I think it is like a Dear Abby, but for like sex advice or something or... It's called um, Savage Love. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he also has a podcast now. And so I saw an article recently about how it was saying that um, we can't assume that because you're a minority in one culture that you don't, that you're, you know, perfect in all of your activism for different cultures, And know, specifically focusing on sexism and how gay men are often sexist still towards women. And there have been a lot of different articles um, about, you know, just because you're a minority in one thing does not mean that you know all for all other, like, minorities. Yes. I thought it was really interesting. And I immediately thought of Dan Savage's um, essay about uh, fat people in uh, this essay collection um, because it was just really telling. I don't even know, like, if you had a – you would at least warn them, right? Like, just so you know – this Thing is going up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think like I—I I don't even know the rationale that would say think that that's okay. But so the more so, I guess all that to say is like one of the main themes of the book is just how, in different ways, that she has had to find her way through society when it seems like so many of societal norms are stacked against her. Whether that's through, you know, she has an essay about. flying on airplanes and she has another one about doing stand-up comedy and she really gives some good insight as to what it's like to be a fat woman in a culture that prizes super thin super 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 thin models and super thin women
0: one of the things that really broke my heart when I was reading it was her um, now husband and she were dating and when they would she would go to bars with him or go on dates or whatever and they would like the waitresses would flirt with him Right in front of her, or that that was so like, upsetting. Or they would just assume that she was his coworker or like assistant. They like never assumed that they were actually together. And her husband, like Lindy West, is pretty. I don't really know what their deal was, but I mean, obviously, I mean, we do. We're talking about you know this type of discrimination, but like, and her husband's a very handsome man. So it was like, well, this woman can't obviously get this handsome guy because you know that just doesn't work.
1: And the the thing is, too, is that he, like, he's an average size man, too. Like, he's not, I mean, he doesn't look like the kind of person who has, like, a six-pack and, you know, wears tight shirts and shows it off or whatever. So it's interesting, too, that society holds women up to a different standard so they don't hold men to. Women are always, like, I don't know,
0: I, I was, I don't know if it's the community I grew up in or whatever, but it was always that, the woman was always supposed to be prettier than the guy like that was expected yes and I know we can always talk about like how I met your mother like the the reachers and the settlers but um so the idea that there's always one that's reaching beyond their you know attractiveness and one that's settling but I don't really get yeah I mean it's like she can't be pretty because she's larger like it it just doesn't make sense, and so she pointed out a lot of things that I had never really thought about through, like thought through before. And in particular, um, she talks about stand up comedy and how there's like rape jokes. And there was a moment where uh, this guy was giving a rape joke, and this woman stood up and said, "You know, that's not funny." And he said, "Wouldn't it be funny if this woman was gang raped right here, or, like right now?" And I'm like, "How is that ever funny?" So I I don't even understand how that could ever be funny. And she says, talks about how that's often the norm and how it's been a big thing and they're like crying censorship and you know the classic thing, well actually it's not about stopping you from saying it's like should you. She she has written columns on like the comedy circuit. So she really knows what she was talking about and she really was able to break it down for people like me who don't really follow stand-up comedy. And yeah, she just kind of followed that segment
1: and then she was like interviewed. With, like, a stand-up comic. Yeah, it was it was on a TV show. She had a debate, like, about the rape issue and whether or not it should be addressed in comedy. And didn't really go well, unfortunately. And even after it was aired, she got a lot of flack on the internet and other places about her stance that she took. Personally, I don't see how that could ever be funny.
0: I'm surprised that it's an issue, just because, for me, it's just so not funny. But I think... I just I don't know, I guess I just underestimated the sexism in our culture, I guess. Like Yeah.
1: <laughs> Kendra living in her little innocent bubble. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, should we before we move on, should we talk about the voice of the book a little bit? Yeah. If you follow either Kendra or I on Goodreads, you will see that we <laughs> we gave this book very different ratings. And if you read through people's reviews, this is a very polarizing book. And I feel like we should say that up front. Um, just because it seems like people either fall on one side or the other side. And there's not a ton of people who fall in the middle. I I I hope I fall in the middle. I feel like I fall in the middle. That. I had a very difficult time getting into this book. Because her voice is very... Like, her voice is very loud, and someone, I saw a review on Goodreads where someone said, like, you know, I was kind of put off by her voice at first, but then I realized that I didn't like it because it was loud, but then I realized that that's who she is, and that's who I am, and, like, that's okay. Which wasn't how I felt, but I felt like that was a really good way to kind of summarize it, but I think Kendra, you felt very differently about it. (laughs)
0: Well, and, you know, we do, we are admitting in front of the kids that the parents disagree.
1: Yes, um, yeah. We want to
0: have an open and honest, you know, discussion here. And, you know, I think it's totally fine if it's polarized. I mean, most people who dislike the book, at least, you know, point out, yes, she says a lot of good things. It's just how she presents it and the voice she uses that is really irritating. And. I can totally see that. I can totally see how how she presents a lot of things would be really annoying. Like some of the, you know, jokes she makes, not everyone will think is funny and that's totally fine. Um, you know, I'm happy with the content of, you know, the important points that she is making and we rarely disagree. So this is kind of unusual. I find it kind of amusing. So,
1: and like I like all of her major points. I agree with thoroughly and entirely. I was just more of left feeling like, tell me more, like give me more, like I want, I want more, 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 like dig in deeper to like what you're actually going through and how that affects you and how I can better understand what your life is like on a day to day basis. So that's kind of where my disappointment kind of came from. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm making gestures and they don't they don't really come across on podcasts.
1: Shrug. <laughs> So let it be known that here on the Reading Women, we don't agree on everything 100%, and that's okay. But
0: we present a united front. Always. We have at least read the parenting books. <laughs> I'm proud
1: of us. Okay. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Book of the Month. And I feel like I should say up front that so this is not a sponsored post by Book of the Month, but we are affiliates with Book of the Month, which means that anytime you purchase a subscription with one of our affiliate links, We get a little bit of a bonus, which helps keep the podcast going. And the lights on. (laughs) And the lights on. (laughs) And the internet going and all sorts of things. Um... So, yeah, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. And one of the books that we are looking forward to this month is actually available right now. You can pick it for your box. It is One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter by Scotchy Cole. And you can pick this book right now and put it in your box and have it on your doorstep in a couple of days. It is a nonfiction collection. Is it essays? Is that right, Kendra?
0: Yes. It's a collection of essays.
1: And I believe, too, is this her debut book?
0: Yes. I think this is her first book but don't
1: quote anyway. me on that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to quote you. It's gotten a lot of positive reviews from what I've seen. And so I, I, this is a book that I personally am going to get and I'm very, very, very excited about it. And as a special treat for you listeners, Book of the Month has given us a special promo code. You can get three months of... Book of the month for just nine ninety nine a month, which is ridiculous because they're beautiful hardback books. And if you use our code women at checkout, you get a free book of the month tote, and it is a beautiful tote. Um, yeah. So as we said, this is not anything they sponsor us for. We're just affiliates and huge major nerdy fans because we love books and hoarding them and hoarding books and book
0: mail and book mail and our for children love to either sit in the box or chew them. Depending on their moods. (laughs)
1: Yes. As soon as I open my box, I empty the contents. And before I even look at the contents, I set it on the floor for the cats. (laughs) And then they have to fight it out over who gets the box first.
0: Yeah, and mine is currently in shreds in my library floor. so. So
1: see, cat beds, something for your kid, something for you, something for everybody. So that's book of the month. And again, if you use our... Coupon code WOMEN at the checkout. You get three months for $9.99 each and a free tote. So be sure to check it out.
0: And next is your pick.
1: My pick is The Veins of the Ocean by Patricia Engel. And it is it basically follows um, this girl named Raina. And Raina and her family immigrated to Florida from Columbia. And as I mentioned in the last episode... We find out in the first couple pages that that her older brother, Carlito, when he's a baby, that her father throws him off of a bridge into the ocean. And thankfully, there were some fishermen nearby, and they rescued him. But then her f- father ends up, well, it ends up that he kills himself. And then when Carlito is... He's probably in his 20s, would you say?
0: Yeah, well, he's in prison for, like, seven years or something. So, yeah, I'd say 20s, late 20s, maybe.
1: I don't think she actually ever says. Yeah, he's either, like, late teens, early 20s. His girlfriend cheats on him, and he finds out about it. And so she gets pregnant and has a baby, and once he finds out that it's not his kid, um, he goes to her house and asks to take the baby, just... I don't, I don't remember what the pretense was. It's like just for a day out or something like that. And he ends up, he takes the baby and throws it off a bridge and the baby dies. And he is subsequently put on trial and he is, so he is put on death row. So like he's in prison for seven years, like knowing that he, at the end of his term, is going to be put to death. Which is a lot for chapter one. <laughs> um, so the book kind of follows Raina as she navigates all of this baggage about, like, her her life and her family and her brother. So, like, the book is really complicated, and there's a lot of scenes. Like, there's not a lot of plot. There's a lot of themes. So I thought we might try to talk about some of the themes. Does that sound good to you? it sounds perfect. So I think one of the most important themes is talking about her, what her brother's life is like in prison, and he's in solitary confinement through some prison political politics where he so he's kept away from all the other prisoners at all times and so it's a very small room and at one point reina meets a fellow immigrant but he's from cuba and his name is uh, ernesto and so she there's this really so let me just say that like all of the writing in this book is just i mean it is so rich and incredible so there's this one point where she compares uh, Carlito's prison cell to the very small bare bones cinder block apartment that is the only apartment that Ernesto can afford and so she makes all of these amazing parallels as to how in a lot of ways being an immigrant is like being in prison.
0: Yeah, it was it was really interesting how she she described a lot about the prison system and how she would go visit her brother and family loyalty and as he's waiting for the end date of um for his actual like execution date which is why he's kind of like hanging out in prison for so long uh she visits him every weekend and then she goes and Carlito uh kills himself like his father and that really is kind of what pushes her and starts the novel kind of rolling so that she you know meets or you know Nesto and whatever, but then she meets Nesto, and as she's getting to know Nesto and really falling for him, she kind of does she does all of those beautiful parallels between uh Nesto's immigrant experience and Carlito's prison experience and how there's a lot of that going on and because Nesto's from Cuba, he's experienced communism. he went through like the revolution, and he has a lot of that's why he left was to try to make money to bring uh, his family over. Uh, from communist Cuba and it really goes into a lot of the politics and history with the Cuban revolution which I didn't really know much about Um, so that was really interesting to learn more about that and how that would affect your psyche and everything Um, there's a lot of obviously gorgeous ocean imagery things the ocean
1: yeah I mean the ocean is a main character in this book I would say from the ocean that separates Cuba and South America from the United States to the oceans that her brother and father throw the babies into, to the fact that Ernesto's a diver. She and Ernesto work at a dolphin refuge at one point, and in that uh, she—it's not really a dolphin refuge. It it says it's a dolphin refuge, but it's really just an amusement park with dolphins, quite honestly— and so she kind of develops a different relationship to the ocean when she works there. And it's just, like, it's just incredible. Like, There's a lot of talk about, like, how the ocean connects everybody and separates everybody at the same time. And I think that that's a great way to summarize in the book that, like, all of these people are connected by whether these tragic events or, you know, family relations or their status as an immigrant— and then at the same time, there's like these huge gulfs between them where they can't really make connections all the time.
0: It's almost like the ocean, like she, there's a lot of diving, there's a lot of diving scenes. And um, like she talks about how for Nesto, it represent the ocean represents freedom from the restrictions of communism in Cuba. And that also the freedom from his immigrant life. And it's just so moving how she uses that, like, freedom imagery when paralleled with, you know, the kind of prison life of the immigrant and of Carlito's prison sentence. And there's just, she talks about, like, diving, and there's a lot of diving. Like, I love when people describe how to do things in a very accurate way, and she talks about how they dive, you know all that process works, and being careful not to have your skull crushed and things like that because of the water pressure. Yeah, it was really, really beautiful.
1: She even talks, too, about the, the people who come over the ocean, who build these boats and come over the ocean to the U.S., and then what happens. And there's multiple scenes where there are people who come in boats and then the immigration authorities show up immediately and how depending on where the people are from and whether or not they're standing on shore depends on how they're treated once they get there, which I thought was very fascinating and eye-opening. And then even how the people, like the one time it happens on a beach and how the different people respond to what's happening. um, Very timely. I'll
0: just say that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very timely. And it's really interesting how, you know, there's a lot of people fleeing, uh, you know, communism over, like, boat people. Like, you see there's a lot of parallels with, like, Vietnam and how they would go across the ocean and how people would flee to Hong Kong to leave communist China. And there's just a lot of interesting—and people even now, you know, they're fleeing on boats Uh, from the Middle East and just how that theme of fleeing on boats kind of occurs in uh, the refugee you know story and she really does a great job of giving it like not new life but like really making it real for you as a reader reading this story.
1: Well I think we see Reyna too like she's she's very unsettled until she meets Nesto and part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that she never really put roots down. Because she, after her brother goes to prison, she and her brother are very, very close. And he, he I don't think he's a great brother. There's, some, some, there's a lot of things that happen where he's abusive towards her. Um, but still, she's very close to him. And her mom, once Carlito goes to prison, her mom kind of writes him off. But she, at this point, like, this is the second time this has happened to her, and so she's kind of done, and there's this really great sentence where she says um, that the mom believed that by not defending her son, that she was not allowing herself to be held hostage by yet another madman. And so I think that, you know, so there is is this current, too, of Reina and her mother's relationship, and how while her mother seems like she gets a boyfriend and kind of gets more settled in her life, how Reina just kind of roams. And she seems to, like, continue to roam. Um, and she, like, leaves the town that she grew up in in Florida because everybody knows what her dad and what her brother did, so she can't stay there. So she moves to another city. So she even has to, like, run from her past, too.
0: Yeah, Reina is a really interesting character because she really has uh, her, I guess, the entire book seems to be her fighting with not just her personal identity, but her identity regarding men and what she, how she expects to be treated by men and her interactions with them. And she doesn't have the greatest past with guys. Let's just say that like, she does not expect them to treat her well or with, you know, with respect. Uh, she just expects men to use her body however they want. Like that's how she's been taught women, are supposed to be. So when Nesto comes into her life, it's totally different. And she gains sort of like this, I guess, freedom that comes with trust, like that she slowly is learning to trust people um, after all of the men have been pretty much horrible in her life. And she tells it in a very matter of fact way, like how this all happens. And the author reads the audiobook so the inflections that she gives, Marina, is just, like, this matter of fact, this is what happened to me, and I didn't really expect it not to happen. And, um, yeah, it's really heartbreaking, but it's really beautiful to see her and Nessa's relationship move forward.
1: I loved it. I loved—it is a book you have to pay attention to, which is not a bad thing, but it is beautifully—and I've said this, but we keep saying it. It is, like, so stunningly written, and it's so— heavy with meaning and it's the kind of book where like you read it and like you don't exactly realize that it's a metaphor until after you've like read it and then thought about it and you're like oh I I see what she's doing there like so it's not very heavy-handed uh great story I would highly recommend it this is going to be a new one that I recommend
0: to everybody (laughs) yes it's very good and it's not and I think it just is packed with so much excellent writing and so much meaning. I don't think it's really something that you can really binge read. Like, no, it's one of those books that you have to savor and just experience at its own pace, and just not try to push through it and like just take it off your list. Just really experience it for what it is. Yes,
1: because I think once you start t- start trying to push through it, it'll become tedious and heavy, and then it won't be fun anymore. Yeah, or enjoy it won't be enjoyable anymore. So. Yeah, I think the
0: best books, I think, demand respect in that way. Like, you have to you have to give it the time that it needs to do its job.
1: So that was The Veins of the Ocean, completely different from the other book that we just talked about. Um, but this is just kind of a sampling of the books that you can get from Book of the Month, and they always have different things and a good mix. I think they do pretty good with mixing nonfiction and fiction and always something different, always a unique voice, always... Like, this is, like, both of these books are books that I probably would not have picked up just by browsing the bookshelves at my local bookstore. So it's kind of great to make yourself be introduced to some unique authors. Yeah,
0: and they have excellent judges. Roxane Gay chose um, this book, The Veins of the Ocean, and she's a guest judge, and they have, like, guest judges and um, excellent judges like Liberty Hardy, and they always have a wide range of genres and types of books. Um, and pretty, pretty happy with their diverse selections and yeah, just so much going wide, right. You know, essay collections, they have short stories, they have a little bit of everything. And as we said, you can always order previous books, um, as long as they're in stock with it as well.
1: Yes, and we have, just as a reminder, we have a special promo code that you can use this month where you can get three months of Book of the Month for $9.99 a month and a free tote, which is amazing if you use the promo code WOMEN. So be sure to use that because it shows them that, uh, it shows support for us and it shows them that you're listening to us and it's amazing. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, We're we're pretty excited about it. We are. It's very, very exciting. We've been major super fans for a long time, so
0: and we're like, oh yay, you know we exist. We feel happy. But yeah, I think I think that's it.
1: That that seemed to go fast.
0: I guess it, w- it was time to reveal what we're talking about next month.
1: Yeah, so next time next month, which will be May. Yes. So next time, our, we will be talking about short stories, which will be fun. I love short stories, so it'll be a great thing to talk about. And so in the meantime, you can find me, Autumn Privet, on Twitter, Litzy, et cetera, etc., etc., Instagram, at Autumn Privet. And you, and you can find Kendra Winchester at KD Winchester. And don't forget, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. It really tremendously helps us out and helps us spread the word about the reading women. And yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, guys.